Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 23, air date December 7th, 2013. So now I'm in Tamil, I'll speak in both Tamil and English. Is that okay? Yes. okay. So let me ask everyone a question here. How many people, the students, are happy with the way the country is right now? How many of you are happy? Okay, no, how many of you are dissatisfied? Okay, good. How many of you want to change this world? Okay. And the question is asked, this is a fundamental question of life. See, at some point in life, everyone comes to a point where you have to ask one question. Do you accept things the way they are, or do you want to change the world? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a fundamental question that will determine if you're a human being, or if you are just an animal. The decision, the question that you ask, if you want to change the world, then you become a human being. The Honorable Chairman, Nalar, he gave a wonderful talk. He hit on many, many topics. And these topics are not just about politics or about the invention of email or about Tamilian. It's about being a human being. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So we're going to have a discussion about what it means to be a human being. Because the history of the Tamil people, the history of Tamil tradition of Siddha, is that central question. What does it mean to be a human being? And it is the right of everyone in this world to have uh, the opportunity to be a human being. And the conditions of our environment must be an environment where all of us can be a human being and not be animals. Alright? That's the important issue. But today, in the world, See, I'm, a, I'm not a politician, I'm a system scientist. I study systems. Email was a system. And when you understand it's a system, it's very clear that a Tamilian 14-year-old in 1978 invented it. Period. Because email is a system. And as a system scientist, I study systems. So we're going to talk about systems today. Okay? We're, we're going to, I think Siddha will have a more deeper conversation. But I want you guys to be inspired to see the world as systems. You're all engineering students, right? So today you study mechanical engineering, maybe you study electrical engineering, maybe you study civil, but the foundations of all engineering is systems theory. Uh, Siddhas, scientists were actually system scientists. I've actually built a course where Vata, Pitta, Kapha were not just Vata, Pitta, Kapha. They were actually systems terminologies for representing transport, conversion, and storage. And I'll come back to this. But these are, the, the Siddha teachers were not simply what a saffron robot, they were actually systems engineers. And you'll understand this if you actually study this. But the reason I want you to understand systems, getting back to being a human being, is when you look at this world today, we have about a hundred, maybe what a five hundred people who run this world today. Right? Maybe in India, maybe fifty people. Alright? But there's about 500 people who run this world today. And you look around you, and the system that they've created, as Chairman said, is not a system to serve you or me. Right? That is why you're unhappy. It's a system to serve themselves. And we each have a certain amount of life on this planet, maybe 60 years, 70 years, 100 years if we're lucky. But it is our duty to change the system. You understand? That is what engineering is about. Engineering is not about 
simply observing the world. Engineers create things. We create systems. There is no carnival that's going to come here and create that system. You must create that system. Do you understand? That is what engineering is about. See, scientists, there's a big difference between scientists and engineers. Scientists, okay? Scientists can lie, but engineers can never lie. Do you know why? Because engineers actually have to make something. Scientists can simply observe, they can put a curve and fit a line to a curve, right? They can do linear regression. Everyone know what I'm saying? They can do statistics. 400 years ago, the so-called scientists said the Earth was the center of the solar system. There was another scientist called Galileo who said, no, the sun was the center of the solar system. It was only in 1992, the Catholic Church said they made a mistake, right? 400 years later. So those in power use scientists to lie, but engineers cannot lie. Because you have to build something. Right? You have to build an airplane, you have to build a bridge, you have to build a software program. If it doesn't work, there's, you can't talk your way out of it. You can't write a paper about it. So engineers have to understand how systems work. And the most important system that you have to understand is the system around you. And that you are part of that system, your body's part of that system, what you put in your mouth is part of that system, everything is interconnected. So when I built that first email system, it too was a system. It wasn't simply the exchange of text messages. I'm talking to Prasanna about this. You see, prior to 1978, there was no system of communication electronically. It was simply the exchange of text messages. That is not a system. So in 1978, when I came into this office at Newark, at 14 years old, I looked at this system, which was the office. And the office system, you needed inbox. Secretary received the mail in the inbox. You needed the outbox, another component of the system. You needed drafts. You needed file folders. You needed the trash. You needed a memo, you needed a typewriter, you needed CC in the money. Now you wanted 50, 60 components in the chip, right? These are components of an engineering system. That system I called email. Prior to 1978, that system did not exist. But now the Tamil problem is we are very humble people, right? We don't promote ourselves. Right? That's our culture, right? We're taught to be nice, we don't promote ourselves. So in 78, I created it. In 81, it was copyrighted, following the rules of the land. Then I came to MIT and I created many other systems. And in 19, 2011, Time Magazine wrote an article, The Man Who Invented Email. Then this was put into the Smithsonian. Then you had these Verlakarangals say, no, 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 we created email. Because they looked at what they did prior to 1978, the exchange of text messages as, a, as email. But that is not email. Because in 1978, is when I defined email. So the facts are black and white, but what is important to understand, as Chairman was saying, is the history of the Tamil people is the history of people who have been oppressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what is important today is that Sairam University is recognizing the inventor of email. It's not for me. This invention is your invention, because what it means is for most of Tamilians, we don't come together, okay? We didn't support our fighters in Sri Lanka, right? Did we? 
our own people didn't support our fighters in Sri Lanka. So it's time to come together as a people. So the invention of email is a story about us coming together and celebrating not Shivaya Dre, but celebrating the Tamil people. Because the history of the Tamil people is a history of being innovators. For 300 years after the British came, we've been suppressed. So now we need to rise up and defend the invention of email, not only for me, but it's about you standing up for yourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does everyone understand this? Because the, the, the history of the North Indians against the South Indians has been the history of oppression. And the, pe the oppressed people, if they don't stand up and fight, they will become more and more oppressed because it, it, it changes you mentally. Your mental system changes to think you're less than other people. It's a very psychologically destructive thing. So, after 35 years, the Tamil people recognizing B.A. Shiva is not about recognizing me, but it's recognizing the right for the people of India, for the, the right for the people of Tamil Nadu to stand up and say, we are somebody. Do you understand? That we mean something. That we are not going to stand for lower standards anymore. In our leaders, in anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you guys are dissatisfied, it is your responsibility to create your future. You must not just be seeking jobs. That's slavery. You must be job creators. That's liberation. It is easy to graduate, go work for TCS. Anyone can do that. Right? Anyone can do that. But you must be revolutionaries. And what is a revolutionary? A revolutionary tells the truth. Right? So when I told the truth against CSIR, that's being a human being. Human beings are supposed to tell the truth. That is the purpose of life. Otherwise, life's not worth living, is it? Do you want to be a slave? Or do you want to be a liberated human being? What do you want? <laughs> exactly. So you must be bold, and you must tell the truth, and you must be ready to fight. That is when you become a human being. You follow what I'm saying? You must be real engineers. Engineers do not accept the, the world the way it is. They create new systems, right? Email didn't exist. It, didn't, it wasn't like God came and created email. An engineer created it, right? Now, God may have inspired me, but I still had to do the work. Do you follow what I'm saying? So your job is, as engineers is to be creators and to tell the truth and to be ready to fight. You see what I'm saying? I mean, who is Rahul Gandhi? Who is Sonia Gandhi? Who are these people? They're foreigners that have invaded our country, right? And we accept that. We accept politicians who are corrupt. We accept this. It's unacceptable behavior. That's not engineering. If you were to create an airplane or a piece of software and had a bug in it, what do you do? You remove the bug, right? Yes? Engineers don't accept things that don't work, right? Am I right? You learn those principles in physics. But in our social systems, we accept these things. Why? Think about it. There's no reason for it. So what I want to inspire you today, and we'll open it up to questions, is I want you to think about what it means to be an engineer. You understand? The world deserves better. We have the ability in 2013 to create heaven on earth. Put it out. 
Sinema Great Siddhas, you go back to the history of Sankaracharya, they asked a fundamental question in 8th century. They said, if there's equality in heaven, Tamil every heaven in Chilinga? If there's equality in heaven, why isn't there equality on earth? Right? If there's equality in heaven, why isn't there equality on earth? That's a fundamental question. So my view is innovation can occur anytime, any place, by anybody. In 1978, a 14-year-old, dark-skinned immigrant kid did not invent email at MIT or IIT or Harvard. He invented it in Newark, New Jersey. So all of you can invent anything. You don't need the government. You don't need a lot of money. But you must go within yourself. That is a tradition of all of our great saints. If you, there is a temple for Sai Baba there, right? There is no government there. It's sitting and meditating and finding that, that strength within you. Do you follow what I'm saying? Ultimately, we're all alone. We, it's between us and God. And so you must find that strength to create a better world. It's not going to happen by itself. Put it up. It's not someone's going to come and create it for you. But the important thing is the history of the Tamil people has been the history of innovation. Now, my history of Bhattana Siddha Medicine, as Chairman said, now my entire history has been the history of innovation. Now, this suppressed Panikanda for 300 years. You follow? So the invention of email is your invention. It is one of your own blood who created email. It's in your blood. So I want to inspire you to take your life seriously. Do not accept unacceptable behavior from anyone. At all. It is, life is too short. Fight for what is right. And you have the ability to create anything in this world. It is your responsibility as engineers. Okay? Thank you. Let's take some questions. Tomlinson only used the at symbol to designate two computers. But that is not a system. If you take a car, you have the wheel. Is the wheel the car? The wheel is one small component. You follow what I'm saying? Now, you need to understand something. In India, we know there's corruption, right? Everyone know we're honest, there's corruption. In America, we don't think there's corruption. Now, Ray Tomlinson belonged to a company called BBN. Okay? That company sold to a big military contractor called Raytheon in 2009. $35 billion military contractor. Raytheon, if you know, missile industry is going down. What industry is going up? Cybersecurity, cyber warfare, right? To, for the government to watch your emails. So BBNN hired PR agency. They hired PR agency before they sold and they said the ad symbol is email because they wanted to sell their company for a higher price to Raytheon. So they branded him as the inventor of email. You follow? Because he looks like Alexander Graham Bell. Now mentally think inventor Right? Ray Tomlinson didn't invent email. He invented the exchange of text messages. Fifteen lines of code. Fifteen lines of code. He did it in about fifteen minutes. That's the exchange of text messages. According to that definition, Samuel Morris should be the inventor of email. Now here's the other important thing. The term email did not exist until 1978. You can look at any document. Okay? 
1978, I created a system, 50,000 lines of code. It wasn't some little toy. It was an enterprise class system. Three universities were connected, 500 users. It may seem unbelievable that a 14-year-old kid did that, but it is the facts. A 14-year-old kid did do that, period. Start, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, or Beethoven creates music, we believe that, right? Why? Because he's white? Right? But when a 14-year-old writes 50,000 lines of code, and he creates a system, and he comes up with the term email, the Oxford English Dictionary puts the first, and the origin of email in 1979, Merriam-Webster in 82, when I got the copyright. So this is black and white. So when the news came out of the Smithsonian, these white people created a controversy. There is no controversy here. The exchange of text messages would make SMS email. It would make Twitter email, right? It would make Facebook email. No, email is a system. Inbox, outbox, folders, address book, the user interface. That is email. It is a system. And I called it email. You, do you understand now? So you guys should, when people say nonsense on the internet, you guys now should correct it. Because they hire PR agencies to protect the brand of a $35 billion company. You see, on a very brand campaign when you come in, the truth hurts their branding, which means they lose profit. You follow? Did I answer your question? Are you sure? The exchange of text messages is not email. That would make telegram email, right? Email is a system. That's why it's a system. Like a car is a wheel, the steering wheel, the nice user interface, the dashboard, the seats. That whole thing is called C-A-R, right? You can't call a bullet car a car. So in 2012, at the term email, you can't apply it to something that's, that, ex that the term didn't even exist. In any other industry, they would call this plagiarism, stealing, right? But America is more corrupt than India in this sense. They can take money, they can pay academicians to rewrite history. Now, India on the straight right? U.S. on the Pirsa, they give it to academics, Pirsa research, then they fund the media. So, U.S. is absolutely corrupt. The news of the invention of email the reason this is important is because when I created inventions at MIT, but it's a front page on the chip. But when I said email was not created at MIT, it was created in Newark, that is a bomb because they don't want to teach people that anyone can innovate. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there was a president called Harry S. Truman. Have you ever heard of him? President Truman? He had a famous slogan. He goes, when you cannot convince you confuse. When you cannot convince, you try to confuse. There is no confusion here. Ray Tomlinson did not invent email. He created the at symbol. I used a period. That is not email. Is that clear? But you people now must explain this. Instead of me saying it, go read all the facts around inventoremail.com. Good question, though. Another question. Very good question.
Good noon, sir. I am Abhishek from Electronics and Communication Department, Five Year. I have just one doubt. You said you faced some racist problems in the United States when you just invented email. Still, those problems continue in the United States and Europe. Or they, now the United States people's mind has just changed and they are open-minded and giving us a warm welcome in Europe and America. Yeah, that's a very good question. Look, when my when we went to the United States, they said in India you can get discriminated 20 ways. Right? Caste, race, in the village, man, woman, skin color. In the United States you can get discriminated three ways, okay? But there is still discrimination there. But you have to understand the level of discrimination occurs at much higher levels. And it's how important it is. So for example, there is not the level of discrimination at some day-to-day -day level. But if you are a dark-skinned person and you said, hey, I invented email, okay? And that is going to change a narrative. Let me explain what I mean by this. The history of the world is created by stories, okay? That's why they call it his story, right? It is created by stories. Now, there are truth truthful stories, and then there are false stories. So those in power, using the priesthood of academics, write stories. Scientists are actually storytellers. Engineers are not storytellers. Scientists are actually storytellers. Okay? So the history of the world is about writing stories. You follow what I'm saying? They write stories. So if you come up with a truth that completely exposes a story that's been told for hundreds of year, hundred years, then you will be discriminated. If you are dark skin color and you support their story, you won't be discriminated. That's how America operates. Obama is dark, but he supports imperialism. He supports the existing story, so they let him be president. You follow what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not because he's a black guy, he stands up for black people. He didn't let Snowden into the country, right? Right? Snowden exposed the U.S. government. He didn't let him in. He's an imperialist just as much as him. So if, whether you're black or white, if you go against their stories, then you will be discriminated. So to answer your question, as long as I said, oh, Echo Mail was invited at MIT. I'm invented. Cytosol was invented at MIT. I'm a good Indian, okay? Put it up. But when I said email was invented in Newark, that's not good. Does that answer your question? Does it, well, does it answer your question? Whether there is any change in their minds, how they are, whether they are happy, just supporting well, Indians. Well, no, no. It's, look, the, 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 it's not a change in people's mind. You see, all these discrimination things, you constantly have to fight. The only reason America has some civil rights is because in the 1960s people led a revolution there. They fought. You follow? In India, we've had some change. We haven't had any major revolutions in India. As Chairman was referring to in 1947 in India, we simply had a transfer of power. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we haven't had absolute liberation here, but in the U.S., they've had some more liberation movements so we get more freedoms. Obviously, there's more to fight for. I'm saying it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle. Next. Good afternoon, sir. I'm Sanjay from CSE department. 
Uh, I just went through your slides yesterday and I came to know that you have done a work on cytosol that is uh, using systems to detect uh, drugs instead of animals and humans. So I just found that you gave the idea of using a multi-drug combination for, for that system and how was that effective in the... Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, let me give some background. So, you know, email was invented in 70, but I've invented many other things. Uh, in 2003, when I, uh, I think some of you may know that I've always had an interest in Siddha. My party, who was in Rajapalam, was a Siddha. She could look at your face and understand there's an ancient Siddha science called Samudra Galakshana. So she could pattern analyze your face and predict what was going on. And then she would give different combinations of treatment. Combinations, right? Not just one by the but combinations. So when I start, when I came back to MIT, uh, I was very interested in applying that same philosophy in the Western world. So in 2003, uh, it was some people know what the Human Genome Project was, right? 2002 is when the Human Genome Project ended, which means we sequenced the DNA. We found out. We originally thought we had about 100,000, 200,000 genes. We thought the difference between a human being and a worm, the worm, not the one between you? Pulu. The difference between a, a worm and a pulu was the number of genes. We thought we had 200,000 genes and a worm had like 19,000 genes. When the Human Genome Project ended, it turned out we only have, you know how many genes? Anyone? We only have 20,000 genes. We have the same number of genes as a pulu, okay? So in 2003, the National Science Foundation uh, started a new initiative. They said it's not what's in the nucleus, but the chemical reactions that take place in the cell determine the difference between us and a pulu, okay? So they put, a, they put a major challenge forward was, could you on the computer, information technology use many, could you model the chemical reactions in a cell, all right? Because if you could model all the chemical reactions in a human cell, then you could you could describe different diseases they model cell Once you can model the diseases, then you can test drugs combinations on the computer. Today, to create one single drug, it takes 13 years. 13 years. First, they test in a test tube. Then they go maybe kill some uh, mice, then you go kill some pigs, and then you go test in humans. It takes 13 years, $5 billion to create one drug. That's why the cost of healthcare is so high. And the drug that comes out has all sorts of side effects because it's a synthetic molecule. Okay, but that is the modern drug development. Again, big companies, pharmaceuticals, fund researchers, they say this system works. When Siddhavaibhim comes, they scare people. They said this has heavy metals, right? So there's this whole propaganda. So Cytosol is this technology we developed in 2007 out of my research at MIT to model the human cell. We did that in 2007. When I came to India in 2008, I discovered some of the interesting combinations between Siddha and systems biology, which I'll talk about later. And then when I went back to US, we took Cytosol and we launched a new company. We raised about five crore in investment, and our goal was could we use Cytosol 
to actually discover new combinations of drugs, as you asked. So last two weeks ago, we uh, modeled, the last year we've been modeling pancreatic cancer. Everyone know what cancer is? Pancreatic cancer. So we modeled that on the computer, and we tested combinations of generic drugs, and we found the combination that the FDA has approved for us to get our pre-IND meeting. And we've done this in nine months. So this innovation, right, is going to be revolutionary because we're going head-on-head head against the pharmaceutical industry, right? So you have to now be revolutionary. So when I told the news about email, we had to fight. When I went to CSR, we had to fight. When Cytosol comes out, we will have to fight because great innovations are not accepted. So Cytosol is really an innovation to use the principles of Siddha to do combination drugs. But it's mixing IT technology with biology. Next question. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm uh, Rakesh from Electrical Electronics Department, final year. Um, first of all, sorry, sir. My question is quite long. That's okay. Uh, according to whatever you said, anything that works as it is supposed to is a system, right, sir? Anything that any any device that works according to how it has to is a system. Well, no, a system has very particular properties. But I'll answer that. A system has really three fundamental properties called transport, conversion, and storage. Those are three properties. Plus, most intelligent systems also have the property of feedback when you study control systems theory. So a system has a very particular definition and is highly interconnected. It's oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, sir, you said transport, interconnection, and uh, storage, sir. No, transport, conversion, and, and storage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take Morse code, sir. Uh, the first guy has the text, he encodes it and sends it. The other guy receives the text and he decodes it. And if he wants to reply, he uses another coder. So maybe that's a system. It has transportation and uh, encode, I mean conversion and storage. And it has a feedback. Right, so that's an open loop system. Typically large scale systems are what's called feedback. Yes, sir. Right. It, it doesn't have feedback. So what what more what else does an email do other than these? What do you think? You answer your own question. What so let's go back to what I just said. How is wait wait, so you answer your question. If you take the inter-office mail system, right? Have you ever seen the inter-office mail system? You've never seen the inter-office mail system, huh? Okay, if you went into an, if, if, suppose you came, uh, you went into an office, okay? Remember, innovations come out of the environment that they're created in, okay? Even today, if you go into any big office, there's still the inter-office paper mail system, but emails replace that. But anyone over the age of 40, how many people are over the age of 40 here? Out of the age of 40, more, greater than 40, you guys are, right? So if you're over the age of 40, if you went into any office somebody, you would see a system there, okay? Do you want? Do you, do you know what the what the elements of that system were? Do you know what they were? I'm asking a question. Right. So if you went into an office, right, you would see a system there, and it was central to the running of that office. 
If any of those components of the system didn't exist, the entire office communication system would collapse. Let me explain. If you drive a car, right? If the wheel is, if the left wheel is missing, will the car drive? Right? Okay. If the right wheel is missing, will the car drive? Okay. If you don't have a steering wheel, can you drive the car? You need all of those components interconnected for that system. Got it? If you went into an office environment, you had a very particular system. There was a thing, there was a box called the inbox. If you didn't have the inbox, communication would end in that office. You had an outbox where the secretary put it. There was a drafts folder. The doctor would come and he would dictate to the secretary, the blah, 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 blah. she would write it, and he would put it in the drafts. Then she would type it. She would take a piece. You needed the paper. You needed car CC, you've seen it on the email, right? Before, that was literally a carbon paper sheet. So if you wanted to send a CC and you didn't have that carbon paper, you couldn't send a copy. You follow? In the Mali, there were 50 different components. You needed all those pieces to make that office system operate. Okay? That is the components of the system. If you went into your email today, and you didn't have the address book, you can't use email, right? Right? If you remove the address book, you remove the inbox, you remove the outbox, what would you have? You'd end up having SMS, right? So what I'm saying is, the system I'm talking about was a very particular system, and that was email. Simply transferring text messages, you could call that a quote-unquote system, but then that credit is due to text messaging. You follow what I'm saying? Does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, it's a very important question, but since you now have the answer, you should be now able to explain this to others. You follow? Because, like I said, the people who don't want to accept email as a system and was created will throw confusion like this. It's like saying, motorcycle is a car. Yeah, it, it has two wheels and an engine, but it's not a car, right? It's a different system. Good morning, sir. You said at the age of 14 you invented the email and you were. Mike Pagado, yeah. At the age of 14 uh, you invented the email and you were in USA at that time. Do you think you would have done the same if you were in India, uh, in, in Bombay or whatever? Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, remember, let me give you the conditions what I had in Newark, New Jersey. Let me give you the conditions. Because that will answer your question. Alright, so in 1978, I was fortunate because on the somewhat I was I got selected to go learn a programming language. In fact, seven programming languages. I would get up at five in the morning, take a train all the way to New York, which was very dangerous in 1978, by the way. A young 13-year-old kid traveling to New York. In fact, I used to travel that trip so much, eventually when it African-American saw me, a big guy, and he became my bodyguard, okay? <laughs> True story, it's in the book. By the way, I have a book coming out called The Email Revolution, I explained it. So, so, why did I get that opportunity in the U.S.? There was a visionary professor who said, let me give the opportunity for 40 kids to learn programming. So someone did it. It wasn't the government. You follow what I'm saying? Some professor came up with that idea he wanted to help 40 students, he sponsored it, okay? I was the only Indian who got to go. In fact, I was the youngest person. Then, what happened? 
I had a very, very strong mother. Okay, my mom came from Trinovili. She came from a home where her father left her when she was eight. So my mom was very, very ambitious that her kids do well. So after I finished that programming language, my mom introduced me, right? So I had a very good family who cared about me. She introduced me to a physicist by the name of Les Michelson. Les Michelson was around 35 years old, I'm 14. He gave me this opportunity. Second thing was good family. Second thing was here was a boss who gave me an opportunity and he said, look, would you like to create the electronic version? He didn't have any jealousy. But CSI the boss is afraid of his subordinates. They're jealous that their subordinates will do better work than them. You follow? This is a fundamental problem. So second element was Les Michelson. He was a physicist. He saw this young kid. He didn't look at my color. He said, let me, he was excited. He was really excited, passionate into innovation. So he gives this 14-year-old kid the opportunity to come into his lab, gives him access to computers. That has a lot to do with pure trust, right? Again, no government involved. A human being making a decision to help another human being. So he gave me that trust. So I, even though I was 14, I was among 35, 60-year-olds, I was treated as an equal, right? No one saw me as a 14-year-old kid. They saw me as an equal. I was professional. I showed up to work. I brought my briefcase. I brought my lunch. They didn't pay me anything. Second year, they gave me free lunch. Third year, they gave me a dollar per hour because I did good work. I used to work 16, 18-hour days. I had finished all my high school. I would go to Newark, work, and then go home. So the elements were a good family, a good mentor who was not jealous, and a good, good sum equipment. No money. There's no money there. Out of that came email. Now, to answer your question, if I had those same conditions in India, yes, email would have come about. Definitely. But the conditions were someone who cared, my parents, a mentor, and some infrastructure. You look at organizations like CSIR, they spent billions of dollars. Since 1947, they produced maybe $2 million in revenue. Billions and billions of dollars go in. So it does not have anything to do with money. It has to do with freedom. Treating people as human beings. You follow? I was treated as a human being. Now, in Bombay, if I was treated as a human being, and I was given that infrastructure, and the conditions were the same, someone introduced me to the office environment, yes, email would have come about here, definitely. Do we have those conditions even today, in 2013 in India? Do we? No. Okay, how are you going to get those conditions? How are you going to get them? How? Wait a minute, how are you going to get those conditions in India if you don't have them today? What's that? Fight for the change. You have to fight for it. You're engineers, you go create change. You, you can't wait. Don't wait for your politicians. Don't wait for your faculty. You guys created. You follow? I got up at 5 a.m. and I went to New York. Okay? I got up and I showed up at work. Next question. Is that it?
Rahul sir and Ratna from IT department earlier. Uh, I went through a wiki page earlier this morning uh, to read about your teaching uh, system visualizations. So what is system visualization exactly about? Yes. Are we okay on time? Okay. So systems visualization, it's a good question. So I, uh, in 2010, when I came back to the United States, I have an interdisciplinary background. And remember, I told you that I believe, you know, I, I, do you have a systems dynamics course here? Okay, if you don't, you should have a systems dynamics. So let me explain to you. So in, in, in the engineering, in the world of engineering today, we have different departments, right? Electrical engineering, you learn circuit theory, right? In mechanical, maybe you learn theory of elasticity and you learn, you know, uh, you know, uh, mass spring, constants, Hamiltonians, etc. Right? Civil engineering, you learn different equations, right? But the foundations of all these engineering disciplines are systems theory. So, systems visualization is a course that I created where I took four different disciplines and I combined them. First discipline was engineering systems theory. So students learn how to look at any system, financial system, right? economic systems, engineering systems, coffee production systems, irrigation systems, any system. Okay? Marriage is a system. Okay? Any system. So they learn how to look at these systems and then they learn visualization, data visualization, another discipline. Then I teach them narrative storytelling and then I teach them what's called metaphors. They combine these four disciplines to look at complex systems, understand the interconnections, and then visualize them. Why did I create this course? Because my view is that if you can understand complexity, you can then see interconnections between things. Okay? Today on the internet, there's so much information, no one has any more time to view anything anymore. So I'll give you an example. One of my students, mathematician, um, by the way, this course became the most popular course at MIT. We started with six students. It's become now nearly 50 students for an elective course. So this student wanted to understand coffee production. Most coffee is produced in, outside of the United States, right? It's done in developing nations. So he did a whole system looking at coffee production. Okay, which countries make it? what it costs to distribute, how much water is spent in making coffee, and he discovered something interesting. He produced a beautiful visualization. Um, anyone heard of Starbucks? Starbucks coffee? Okay. So he used the metaphor of a coffee cup. You take, it turns out to create one cup of coffee, to create one cup of coffee in the United States, 1,000 cups of water is being used in the developing nation. So Africa is spending 1,000 cups of water to create one cup of coffee for the United States market. Starbucks profit, he showed a very nice graph, has gone up by 2,500%, okay? Meanwhile, the coffee producers in these developing nations, their, their fee for coffee has gone down by 23%. So there's a lot of things people call fair trade, you know, saying, oh, we're trading well with these developing nations. He basically showed that basically the developing nations are being used for their resources to produce water so the Western world can make a lot of money just on a cup of coffee. But that's what the students do in this class. They look at complex systems, 
and then they figure out how to present it so anyone can understand it. So as an engineer, if you can understand this, you can learn how to communicate complexity. Next question. Very good afternoon, sir. I'm very excited and enthralled very fast that I'm standing and talking to the founder of email. So I got a question, like you said we should be human beings first of all. Like we should support Snowden, I very strongly believe. But then to start talking about it, people say you're just paying lip service and we can do nothing about it. It's India which decides and it's the politicians who corrupt it. So when I want to do something for it, where do I start with? Should I follow some systematic approach or can I do something to it? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, the question you're asking... What would be better than Priya. Priya, okay. So first of all, uh, most people don't even get to the point to ask the question you just asked. Okay? Most of science and engineering is dictated by the questions people ask. So the question you asked is, how do I actually change the world? Right? That means you've made the decision to want to change the world. Now as an engineer, you're asking, how do I change the world? No different than people looking at a bird flying and saying, well, how do I fly? Right? I was talking to someone on the ride over here. They said, oh, you can never change India. Not things will be like this the way they are. That's nonsense, okay? People said that about flight. People said that there would be darkness. Well, someone created a light bulb. People say that we're going to age forever. But we may live for 5,000 years if you do the right anti-aging and the technology is coming out. So when people say, what can I do? First, the thing is you've reached a conclusion you can do something and now you're asking, what do I do, right? So the first thing that, if you look at all the systems of change that have occurred throughout the world, how did major systems change? They changed through mass movements. And there is a technology a methodology for creating mass movements. Not terrorism. That's not what I'm talking about, not blowing up somebody. I'm talking about creating a mass movement, right? 20 years ago, you didn't have really the proliferation of the World Wide Web. Now you have social media, Facebook. See, 20 years ago, if I had come out with the email story, it would not have reached everyone because only big media owned media. But now you can go to my website and you can read, even though they can publish this, you can go read another set of facts. So the question is, how do you organize change, right? How do you change it? So the first thing you have to look at it is, what has been the history of change? And if you look at the history of human beings, change has always come about through mass movements. If you look at the Sankaracharya movement, even religious movements, they were mass movements. They had a theory, a revolutionary theory, and a way of disseminating that theory. So, the main answer I can give you is the fact that you've asked that question, you need to now get together with your other students and sit and start talking about this. How do we change it, right? And then you start studying history. In the United States, prior to 1967, no one had the right to vote. Right? There was no right to vote prior to 67. They had a mass movement. Right? Before 1967, before Comrade, most people weren't even getting lunch. Right? So you organize a movement. So what I can tell you is you need to build a social movement. Alright? We need to build a social movement. And 50, the good news is 50% of India is below the age of 25. Right? 600 million people below the age of 25. 
You guys can own this future. The average age of an Indian politician is 70, right? So you guys should shame on you, actually shame on you if you guys don't change this world. You own 50% of the population. You have access to Facebook and the internet. You just need to go do some research, like engineering research. How did Lenin change Russia? How did Che Guevara change Cuba? Go study. And you will find the answers. But you guys have a huge advantage in India. 50% of India is below the age of 25. I think you guys can beat those guys who are over the age of 70, right? Okay. Thank you. One more question or